Welcome to another episode of the CHGO Fire Podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. I am Alex Campbell sitting in the chair on the left of your screen for Pat McCraney, and that means I am once again joined by the Gaga Slanina of American Soccer Media, Alex Calabrese. Alex, welcome back to the show. Yeah, happy to be here again. So we're going to get into all things fire over the last week. Pat and I declared them basically dead on this show a week ago. Since then, uh, they scored three goals, conceded none, and won two games. So maybe they're not quite dead yet. But before we get to all that, a reminder that only a week and a half away, Fire and Red Stars doubleheader at Soldier Field. And that means we've got our CHGO soccer tailgate. Pat and I, as well as Sandra and Claire from the CHGO Red Stars podcast, hosting at the Waldron Deck, 2 p.m., ahead of the Fire against Atlanta and the Red Stars against San Diego Wave. The Fire, with some new life maybe into their season, brings some excitement into that. The Red Stars and San Diego, again, are the top two teams in the NWSL standings. I believe that is still true despite the Red Stars' recent bobble. And all the national team players should be back for those games. So you should see Mallory Pugh and Alyssa Nayer back on the field for the Red Stars. And NWSL leading scorer and CONCACAF Women's Championship winning goal scorer and golden ball winner Alex Morgan on the field for San Diego. So make sure you join us for that. But it is time to get to the soccer. we got to tackle both these games, Alex, because there's enough to say about both of them, particularly the first one. Fire 2, Toronto 0, the John Duran show at Soldier Field. Blink and you might miss it. What a performance in his fifth start. Uh, the Colombian 18-year-old showing why the fire and so many are excited about what he brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, going into the season when he first signed, actually, almost two years ago now when they first got him, because... He was 17 at the time, couldn't join until he was 18. He was one of the top-rated 2003 players in the world. Like He was ranked among the top 100 in that age group on the planet. So the expectations were there, and he finally has been getting his opportunity with the run of games, and he, had, he seized that opportunity doing what he does, does best and scoring two early goals against Toronto in that game. Yeah, I, I can't remember how many times I saw that Guardian article when he signed about him being ranked as like one of like the top 50 promising young talents in the world and you know when he was playing for Envigado down in Colombia and that reputation starting to show itself in MLS first goal comes in just the fourth minute and this starts with Duran and Chris Mueller both putting really good pressure on the ball I don't know why Toronto with the shall we say lack of pace in that back four is playing their entire back four in the attacking half but good pressure by Duran and Mueller they win the ball back Mueller just hits the ball long Duran does the rest, and this is really good composure that he showed on this, particularly for an 18-year-old. Goalkeeping wasn't fantastic. He didn't try to move out of the way, but you still have to put the ball in the net, and he did do that, and some other players wouldn't be able to do that. So, The other player, the player who, in addition to Quentin Westberg, who did not cover himself in glory in the goal, um, not a great start for Chris Mavinga in the back line of Toronto as he just gets totally outrun uh, by John Duran, and uh, this game would not get better for Mr. Mavinga, or, or, or sh- should we say the entire Toronto defense, because just 12 minutes later, 16th minute, we get another goal, and the finish is kind of similar from Duran. He ends up in alone after just completely burning Mavinga and puts a nice finish past Westberg, who again, should he do better? Maybe, but the story of this goal is that ridiculous flick 
from uh, from Brian Gutierrez. That goal was just fantastic from Guti and from Duran. Two players born 2003, so you can just see how young this fire team is. Uh, Gutierrez with the in the air back heel. Uh, it was number three on Sports Center that night, and then Duran as well. The run to hold off the defender and then beat him for pace and then get in behind and I think an even better finish than the first goal in my opinion. It's just incredible talent. Yeah, Gutierrez is really starting to look comfortable out there and whether it's, you know, occasionally when Shakiri doesn't start, he's been rotated in. This is the best run of form we've seen from Brian Gutierrez as a professional soccer player and as much as people want to see Jairo Torres get worked into the lineup, I think you kind of have to keep playing Guti, whether it's through the middle, on the right, or the left. He's just making too much of an impact right now to not start him. I mean, Guti has been one of the Fire's most impactful players in these last two games, and he's pretty much locked down that starting job over the designated player, Jairo Torres, who has been struggling to adapt to the pace of MLS. So... I think right now it's Guti's spot to lose. And we have been hearing about Jairo, that the Fire do want to get him worked in more, that the Fire are not tremendously concerned about his fitness right now. They're trying to get him up to fitness. You know, there, there's no there's no weird conspiracy theory here that like, oh, is he like injury prone or like, what's the deal? It doesn't make any sense. The Fire feel like the route they're taking with him being cautious is the best way to go, and it doesn't sound like too many at Soldier Field slash SeatGeek Stadium are worried about Jairo Torres, but again, he's going to have to fight for minutes now mm. when he's fit, because another guy, and we'll talk more about him probably in this episode as well, who's really continuing to look the part is Chris Mueller. You know, there's been a lot of discussion lately about the fire front office and does there need to be changes there and the mistakes that have been made in some signings, but man, Chris Mueller has been just a complete home run of a signing so far, and he had his moments, particularly in this game, where he's just making defenders look silly. It was kind of a no-brainer to bring in Chris Mueller, even though he didn't do too well in Scotland. Part of that was just wasn't a fit for their system. He was playing as a nine for Sean Maloney, of all people, as the coach there. Uh, but it was just kind of a no-brainer to bring in a guy from Chicago who's proven in this league, and he's fit right in, and it's no surprise that he's been a roaring success. So, Duran, the obvious star of this game, with the two goals, it finishes 2-0. Second youngest fire player ever to score a brace, uh, slightly losing out to DeMarcus Beasley against the Dallas Burn way back in 2000. So it's been a while since the fire had someone of this age doing I mean, this sort of thing in a game. Been longer than Alex has been Literally alive. Literally longer yeah. than Alex has been alive. Over three years before I was born. Duran, <laughs> Duran was born three weeks after me, so. So yeah, there's, there's your reference point. If you didn't feel old already listening to or watching this podcast, I'm sure you do now. Speaking of young 18-year-old fire players doing well, Gaga Slanina, we think back a couple months, we were talking around that time where he was making the international decision. We, we surmised that he just looks like a kid with way too much on his plate right mm -hmm. now. And, and that hypothesis has really uh, held a lot of water since because... Ever since that, he's basically turned it around nine clean sheets now, including the Seattle game, which we will get to shortly. He is looking back to, this is the best I think I've ever seen Gaga play these last few games. For sure. He started the season really well when the fire were doing really well, but at that time he wasn't facing a lot of shots, to be fair. Then during the 10-game uh, winless run, he was really, really bad. And that was also around the time of the international decision uh, where he was choosing between the U.S. and Poland. That was clearly weighing on him. He makes the decision, comes back from the international break where he got some time to recover, some to rest, and he has only played, in my opinion, one bad game since then. Every other game, he has been lights out, 
and has been pretty much perfect. And now, he every time New York plays after the fire, he briefly holds the most clean sheets in MLS because Sean Johnson is also getting a lot of clean sheets. But he's either first or second at all times, and it's just fantastic. He's still just 18 years old. Well, and especially for a keeper of that age, and this is a criticism that's been levied at Gaga in the past, is that sometimes he doesn't get quite that jump you want to see. He doesn't quite get that lateral stretch. He made two just phenomenal fingertip saves in this game. The first one's right at the end of the first half. Mark Anthony Kay making his debut for Toronto FC, launches a shot with his right foot that was headed for the inside of the post, Gaga gets a fingertip to it, and then late on as Toronto were just crawl, you know, uh, clawing for anything, Crescito fires a long-range shot from outside the box that Gaga gyps, just tips over the bar. So it's good to see Gaga having to face these challenging shots rather than the defense just playing well enough to keep them away. Again, this is the most confident I've seen Gaga playing, and as his transfer saga, the Gaga saga, which we still can't get trending despite our best efforts, continues to go nowhere it's good to see that that cloud which could be hanging over him does not appear to be getting in his way at all and he doesn't seem phased by it yeah I mean the international decision he clearly it clearly seemed like that was getting to him for quite a while it was really he was really in a dip in form around that time this transfer speculation has been worldwide like he's one of the most talked about players worldwide, in the global transfer worldwide. market sorry stepbrothers worldwide stepbrothers <laughs> reference one of the most talked about players in the global transfer market, but he's been at his best. Uh, and there, there's a lot of talk going on right now. We'll see what happens, but things might be changing soon. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, a uh, question in the chat from Raul Bazara. Uh, how young are the fire in comparison to other MLS rosters? Seems like many contributors are young compared to other teams. I don't have it officially in front of me. It's got to be one of the youngest. It's got to be up there, if not the youngest. The team historically that you would say would be right there is FC Dallas, but they are slightly older this year. I mean, there are two 2003s in the fire starting lineup and a 2004. I, I can't think of too many MLS teams that can say no, that. I mean, Philadelphia gets contributions from a lot of guys in that age group, they but start. they've got a lot of older guys in yep. that starting 11. Your Santoses, your Bedoyas, your Martinezes. You, uh, Andre Blake, there's a lot of veterans in that Philly lineup. So if I had to say off the top of my head, my guess is, yes, the Fire are the youngest roster in MLS. Maybe not it, a roster, but starting 11. Yeah, it's, it's not as clear as like the U.S. men's national team, which is going to be the youngest team at the World Cup this winter by just a hilarious margin. Like the average age is like eight or nine full months at least. Two years. Is it two years yeah. younger than anybody else? Yeah, so it's, it's that's ridiculous. The Fire aren't quite at that level, but to your point, Alex, I think... They are getting more consistent contribution from teenagers right now than maybe any other team in the league. Now, speaking of that, is this the youngest Chicago Fire podcast? I don't know. If you include me, then no, because I'm very, very old. But <laughs> if we take me out of it and I mean, Pat's it, not it, here today. We're getting there. I mean, so this is the math here is easy because we're 10 years apart. The average age of this podcast is 23 right now. So that's not bad. It's not bad. It's pretty good right now. <laughs> it's, as long as we keep Pat away and don't include me, I think that would be good. <laughs> I mean, if, if uh, we just need to get Sarah producing and then yeah. actually, I think, yeah, yeah we're, we're about right on the money there. We can Joey as well. Also keep that average young, Joey yeah. in yeah. as well. So yeah, we, we have options there to, to Gotta ship me out to claim that for ourselves. Alex, before we move on from this game, I think we have to touch briefly though on holy hell, Toronto FC are a bad soccer team. And, th and that's weird because, like, they've been the biggest spenders in MLS this year. I mean, th th they've got to get better, right? Lorenzo Insigne shows up not fit, which is um, interesting given that, you know, Shocker. even more so than the Jairo Torres situation. I mean, that guy was playing every minute for Napoli down the stretch. Well, I mean, he's also coming in the middle of his offseason. 
So, yeah, he does deserve a bit of a break. But uh, the, I do also think that the fire kind of got Toronto at a lucky time. Bernadeschi oh, yeah. didn't arrive yet. Insigne not playing. Mark Anthony K. I'm surprised he even started because he. I had don't just, think they had a choice. They just didn't had, have anybody else. He had arrived a, like a day or two before the game, and um, he's played for Bob Bradley before in L.A. So Bob probably felt comfortable throwing him out there. But again, that defense is weak right now. Having cut Carlos Alcedo, he's gone. We saw you know John Duran just you know drag those guys all over the place. Both Toronto. Center I mean that backs, was their game plan. Yeah, both Toronto center backs had yellows within the first thirty minutes, and Mavinga between his yellow card and being semi at fault for both goals, got himself dragged off as a sub in the first half, which is about the worst thing that can happen to you as a defender in that situation. So, yeah, I mean, again, I, I think Bernadeschi, we talked about this off air, Insignia is the headline guy because of the m- amount of money he's making, but Bernadeschi's 28 years old. He's younger than I am. He's an active Italian international, and he's coming to Toronto FC. That sort of signing, like, MLS doesn't get that kind of signing almost ever. Like, this mm-hmm. is a rare, rare thing. So, I, I think Toronto are going to get better. The Fire might be alive, though, but their chances, I think I saw in 538, they're like 2% to make the playoffs. Like, this this is a team that's probably already having to look Toronto? at next year, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you look at some young guys on that team, like Jaquil Marshall Reddy. They're also a team that are building for the future, and that's a guy who maybe Bernadeschi can help mentor and develop as well. That so. Toronto roster is weird. They've got like no one other than Bernadeschi now. They've got no like middle-aged players. Their entire mm. roster is like 19 or 34. <laughs> so I don't know what Bob Bradley is doing over there, but it's going to be interesting to watch if they get anywhere near the playoff line. I mean, everyone's still got a chance at this point in MLS, but it's going to be quite a lift for a team like Toronto or DC United, who we will have a tangential note on in a minute, uh, to, to get anywhere near the playoffs. I think I just think the league's too good right now. And if... You know, no offense to the fire, but if 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 the Chicago Fire right now are making you look like a totally helpless soccer team, you have uh, you have some problems. Uh, we will get to the second win of the week in just a minute, but first, I have to tell you that the best way to support CHGO is to download the Points Bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Do that right now, and you'll get two risk-free bets. Up to $2,000, but that is not all. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, including Pat McCraney's great interview and feature on fire captain and center back Rafa Shehos from this past week. Definitely go read that if you haven't yet. And you'll also get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker, maybe even this shirt I'm currently wearing right now, the official shirt of the CHGO Fire podcast. So that's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. PointsBet is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. See an edge in a game you are watching, or is your favorite team primed for a comeback? Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cashouts are at PointsBet. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO. What are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. And once the game starts, don't just live bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If someone you know or you have a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Also have to tell you about Owen, only what you need. It's a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. 
All of their products are free of artificial ingredients, and they're allergen-friendly, including being gluten and dairy-free, which makes them a great option for someone like me with food allergies. I actually first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet himself and will be doing so as the Bears convene training camp next week. I'm sure the CHGO Bears podcast will have plenty on that later this afternoon. And Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That is L-I-V-E-O-W-Y-N.com with the code CHGO20. That is CHGO20. So join me and Justin Fields and try Owen only what you need. All right, Alex. So we covered that first win. Second win, fire one, Seattle Sounders zero. Looked like a tougher task coming in for sure on paper, at least given the pedigree and the roster of the Sounders. But they're currently ninth in the Western Conference. But I'm not sure they care all that. I mean, I'm sure the players want to win games. But in terms of, like, the club and the fan base, they won the CONCACAF Champions League this year. So the rest of this MLS season, kind of all gravy for them. I mean, it's a weird spot for them because Seattle already have a bit of a reputation as a second half of the season team. First half of the season, they were really putting all their eggs in the Champions League basket and not really caring that much about MLS games. So they kind of dug a hole for themselves. And they've continued that bad form into July. Going into this fire game, it should be noted, they had lost their last two games to Portland at home and Nashville on the road without scoring a single goal. So this is not the best version of Seattle. They have a couple injuries. João Paulo out with an ACL. Uh, Raul Rodriguez out. Obed Vargas out so quite a few absences Stefan Fry as well in health and safety protocol shout out so Stefan Cleveland Stephen Cleveland had to come into the starting lineup on his return to Chicago fun fact I've been to two Sounders games the last two years Cleveland started both so hmm. how about that yeah and, and the thing about the Sounders you mentioned their second half team what they're kind of known for doing is Brian Schmetzer lets the first half of the season play out and then he basically goes to Garth Lagerway and ownership and says we need to bring a signing in in position X. Let's make it happen. The problem for Seattle is they don't really have any roster flexibility right now. Zhao Paulo is a DP being out for the season. This isn't a situation where like you can put him on long-term IL like you can in other sports, and that entire portion of your roster just magically opens up again, and you get to reuse it. So Seattle are kind of stuck. I mean, they're they were already putting a lot on Obed Vargas as a 16-year-old playing a defensive midfield. And that took its toll on his back. And yes, and so yeah, he was literally carrying too much weight in the <laughs> midfield for Seattle. And so now he's gone, and you can't, again, then realistically expect him to just play 1,000 minutes in the second half of the season once he comes back. Albert Rusnak, not really a natural guy to play in that pivot, and they only get away with that because Jao Paulo was supposed to be there as a guy who covers a ton of ground and also has a great passing range. So, yeah, Seattle just feels kind of stuck right now. Like, I mean, they're, as I mentioned, they're ninth in the West. It feels like they'll end up crawling into that seventh spot and just sneak into the playoffs because there are a lot of veterans on that team. Brian Schmetzer is a very good coach, but we'll have to wait and see. As for this game, uh, John Duran not in the squad. Uh, he got kicked so much by those Toronto center backs. He had an ankle injury, and the fire aren't allowed to have nice things and build on that. <laughs> Hopefully... We will see Duran back in the lineup this weekend. I think we will. I mean, he said he'll be ready for Vancouver, so we'll take him at his word. But hey, maybe <laughs> when he's not starting at striker, should the Fire just start Rafa Shihos at striker? Because I think he might be the best header of the ball on the team. I think there are quite a few players who would be better finishers than some of the other alternative options. 
Yeah, Casper Shabilko, maybe is this the time we have to talk about Casper Shabilko? Because, I mean, yeah. not only has John Duran, it looked like, taken his starting spot, he just, that signing at the time looked so good. Like, mm. it made so much sense. It ticked so many boxes. And sometimes it just, like, you know, I think we, we've said on the show there are certain things you can criticize the fire front office for. I don't think you can really be all that mad at them for thinking Casper Shabilko was a good idea because it just, again, it, on paper it made so much sense. And for whatever reason, he just doesn't look himself. It just hasn't worked. And, yeah, at this point, you know, when you're the fire, that means your best attacking threat often from center forward is Rafa Shehos just seems to love to stay forward on set pieces. Mm-hmm. This wasn't even the first time in the game he did this. About five minutes before he scores the goal, the only goal of the game, he almost did the exact same thing where the fire had a corner. He just decided to hang around the 18-yard box and not go back, and he won a header. So, like, this is clearly a repeatable action the fire have identified that post-set piece have Sheeho stay a little bit longer because he's a threat. He's very good in the air, and he's honestly been... He's proven that he's a threat in the box as well. He can... He can strike a ball pretty well, too. He hasn't scored a goal yet for the fire that way, but he is someone who definitely can do that. Yeah, he's shown it's, uh, for American fans, there's a bit of a John Brooks thing going on with that left foot of his that he can kind of do anything. Also, side note, John Brooks, still a free agent, still doesn't have a club. If I'm an MLS team, I know John Brooks' wages are high, but hey, man, there's a an American international quality defender in his late 20s just hanging around Hey, St. Louis, I know you, the guys can't play right now, but they've got a couple other great players sitting around doing nothing at the moment. So I feel shout like out. that's where Tim Ream is going to end up, though. Maybe. I mean, maybe they can play together. There's, you know, just somebody, somebody signed John Brooks. Anyway, um, the other part of this goal that was awesome is that driven ball by Fetty Navarro for the assist was excellent. And the more we see of Fetty, it's kind of... So when Gaston Jimenez signed, we were sold at the time that he was going to be a six. And then it became quickly apparent he was not a six. But everyone just kept pretending he was, and it didn't work very well. Fetty Navarro, we were also kind of sold as being a six. And he's not really a six either, but it's, like, almost a good thing. Like, he has shown he is, like, we expected him to kind of be Tyler Adams-ish. We expected him to be the Mm -hmm. guy who sits deep, gets lateral, covers a lot of ground, wins the ball back. He has been so much more of an asset in the attacking half of the field than I think anyone could have expected. And he's got a well-roundedness to him that's really interesting to watch. That pairing works a lot. I don't think either of them would be necessarily successful as a lone six. No. But in a double pivot, Fede and Gaston have been really good together, and they complement each other really well. Yeah, so in this game, after that Geo's header, if you didn't miss it or if you only caught the highlights, you didn't miss much. Seattle just, they're, they're just not clicking right now. And the fire, when they're healthy have shown that they can see leads out and that the fire are... We saw it in both of these games. Once the fire were up 2-0 against Toronto, there was a couple more chances, but they were kind of content to let Toronto do nothing. And Toronto largely did nothing. They had a couple speculative long shots that Gaga had to save. Seattle couldn't even manage that. Gaga had a save in the first half on Jordan Morris. That was a very solid save, but other than that, he didn't have to do very much. And again, when the fire do score first... I was joking with someone while I was watching the Toronto game. It seems like either the Fire win and keep a clean sheet or both teams score and they lose. I mean, we talk about the Fire closing out games. What I should mention, which I probably should have mentioned about the Toronto game, but after the Columbus game, after the loss, the team had a 45-minute to an hour meeting 
where everybody just sat down and, and Ezra basically said, look, we should have 12 to 15 more points than we do right now. What can we do differently? And everyone came out of that meeting more energized, and that has allowed them to go on and beat Toronto and the CONCACAF Champions League winner, Seattle. So a lot of credit to Ezra for that, even though he still does have some growing to do as a coach. Yeah, we've seen some criticism of Ezra the past couple weeks, and I think that is fair. I think... I mean, the substitutions are too predictable, for one thing. The substitutions patterns... I mean, that's that's just a fire manager thing from the past 70 years. The substitution patterns have never made sense. But when you watch that Columbus game, yes, the players are partially at fault, obviously, but... When you blow a 2-0 lead like that, like the first look's got to be the coach. So it's really refreshing to then see Ezra be able to take a step back and say, all right, something's wrong here. What do you guys think? So again, Ezra's got growing to do. This team's got some growing to do. And the past two games have been really, you know, encouraging. Speaking of learning things, what did we learn this week, Alex, from these two games? We've touched on some of this. John Duran gives the fire attack something Casper Shabilko does not. That's kind of just irrefutable, I think, at this point. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the second thing I have is, and we just mentioned this as well, when the fire are healthy, they can see out leads. But it feels really weird that the fire's performances seem directly tied to the performances right now of Carlos Tehran, <laughs> at least recently. Like, he was terrible for, like, three games, and the fire looked awful during all of them. And then he's been good for a couple of games, and the fire looked good. It's just... I really hope the fire's entire system with and without the ball is not dependent on a young center back playing up to his potential every week. I also think that another takeaway is that when the fire go into this upcoming offseason, it's looking like Boris Sekulic is very likely going to leave after this season. John Espinosa just isn't going to be good enough to take over that role. So if Sekulic does leave, as looks likely now, they're going to need to look for a new right back because Espinoza, they thought he was going to be the guy of the future. I just don't think he's going to be up to that level. A potential TAM spot open there for a right back. And, hey, that's an interesting thing. This is a conversation for, for another day. But the U.S. Men's National Team player pool has a lot of right backs who need homes. Shaq Moore just found one back yep. in MLS, so that's good to see. Um, so, you know, you, n- you never know where you can find a right back, particularly an for American sure. one. They're, they are there are kind plenty of, of them out there. Everywhere. We talked about Gaga having shaken off. Uh, whatever was bugging him when he was making that international decision. Again, two clean sheets, now nine on the season, tied for the lead with the aforementioned Sean Johnson. And the fire aren't dead quite yet. Um, reports of their demise might have been greatly exaggerated. Maybe not greatly <laughs> exaggerated, but at least slightly. Uh, 538 currently gives the fire a 17% chance of making the MLS Cup playoffs. They currently sit four points behind Cincinnati in that final playoff spot. We have talked a lot about what we have made of this week, and after one quick break here, we're going to get the thoughts of you, the audience. We asked for your just general reactions on what on earth happened this week, but it's time for the points bet pick of the week. And Alex, I just mentioned Gaga Slanina, back-to-back clean sheets. I think he might be able to make it three. The Flyers have never won in Cascadia against Portland, Seattle, or Vancouver. But that's not required for Gaga to keep a shutout. Gaga Slanina and the Fire to keep a clean sheet, plus 300 right now on points bet. And I, that, after the Fire's last two performances, that feels like an opportunity as they travel to Vancouver, who are a solid enough team, but not exactly an offensive powerhouse this no, I weekend. I think it's entirely possible. I mean, again, the Fire have, like you said, they've had a lot of trouble going into Cascadia since... 2009, since Seattle came into the league, the Fire have never, ever 
won a game there, and they only have four draws, and that's 13 years of games against three different teams. But hopefully, hopefully that can change. It's also a, an unscheduled Zay Soccer Pod Derby as oh, yes. uh, Julian Gressel has been traded to Vancouver. And so him and Fabi Herbers get to hang out again this weekend. Game's at 9 o'clock on Saturday. But it is time to get to what I'm just calling mailbag musings. What the bleep was that? You know, just it was a weird week to watch the fire be as good as they were. And we are going to start with a very simple, straightforward question here. This one is going to be from Jake Fine. And Jake Fine simply asks, are the fire back? Alex, are the fire back? Have, have we heard this before, though, is, is what I want to say. Because, yeah, it's two great performances in a week. Actually, it's five great halves out of six in a week. But were we there at the beginning of the season, too? Did it feel like that? So while there's definitely reason for optimism, I don't want to jump the gun and say they're back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I think we need a little more. I think we need a little more runway before we say the fire are officially back. I mean, I think we need to see them. If they get above the playoff line and then suddenly, you know, they can really string some things together, I think um, I think then we can say it. Uh, from another Jake, this is from Jake Payne. What's the plan for Andre Reynolds? Jake says he seems to be in some sort of, like, purgatory on the mm. bench. Andre Reynolds has been in a weird spot, Alex, because we've seen Chicago Fire 2, Victor Bezzera with a hat trick this past weekend, unfortunately, in a losing effort. <laughs> Um, we've seen Chicago Fire 2 be a good opportunity for a lot of those homegrown kids to get minutes. And then most of them, well, not most of them, a lot of them then end up on the bench for Fire games. Andre Reynolds has been in a weird spot in that largely this year he is not starting for Fire 2, but he's always on the bench for the Fire and often doesn't get into games. He started a couple when Johnny Bornstein was unavailable and Miguel Navarro was uh, out with COVID protocol. So what is Andre Reynolds' role at this point? I think you and I would agree. We'd like to see him starting for Fire 2 every week if possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, the plan for him is to just be, whether it be a starter or as a backup, just in the future plans for the Fire first team. There's no doubt he's in the plans. Right now, he's the third string left back, which is kind of an awkward spot to be in. With the second team, he actually started on the wing this week, which also makes me wonder are they actually going to try and continue playing him on the wing? Because he did play on the left wing for Fire 2 this weekend. They did lose, of course, but I don't know. It's, it's just a tricky spot for him to be in when you're the third-choice left back. But It's like they thought Johnny but Bornstein would there's been availability questions above him, right? Yeah, Johnny Bornstein, I don't think they counted on still being the on-field contributor he is to this point. Johnny's, what, 37, 38 now? Yeah, and his contract runs out at the end of the season, so we'll see if they renew that or if whatever happens there. But we'll If they don't renew it, they should just keep him around as a coach because he's such a Agreed. good guy to have around in that locker room. And even, even if that doesn't happen, even if you keep him on to be a third-string left back, I think there's some merit to that as well just because he's such a good guy for that locker room. Yeah, because he's, like, he's a year or two older than a lot of these other kids. He's a 2002? Reynolds? I want to say he's 01, actually. Oh, yeah. So he's, yeah, he's got a year or two on the likes of Guti, Bezerra, Monis, Casas. He's a, yeah, he's a, he's, an, uh, he's a guy who can help those guys make that transition into first-team professional soccer life mm -hmm. as he's, you know, kind of got thrust in there. Never forget that Andre Reynolds started that uh, first-ever Leagues Cup game against Cruz yes. Azul 
a couple of games back. What a time that was. Um, Jake also mentioned Carlos Tehran, and that's a good transition to our third question. This is from Chris Pellegrini. Is the Chihos Tehran partnership solidifying quickly enough for the fire to make a playoff run? And as we were just kind of talking about this, Alex. One, it's an availability question. Rafa Chihos has picked up some knocks. He's on the other side of 30. He's a veteran. Um, Carlos Tehran has not exactly been the healthiest player in his young career. So that's the first thing. Those guys both need to stay on the field. But then it's also up to Carlos Tehran to be able to put these performances, string these good games together. Because we have seen his floor is low. I mean, his ceiling is clearly very high, but the distance between the floor and the ceiling for him is enormous. And it really feels like week to week, you're almost rolling a dice of where on that spectrum he's going to end up. I mean, with Tehran... The potential is there. He can be one of the best center backs in MLS. That's his potential. It's just about consistency. That's what he really needs to find. In the last couple games, he has been pretty good. The last two games, he was excellent. But it's just, can he get that every single week? Because that's how good he can be. But he also has these games where he has lost the fires multiple games this season. So that's what it's about. Yeah, you go back to that Columbus game. Him and John Espinosa had quite the display in the second half of that one in some in some defensive errors. Uh, the last question we've got is from Juan Sa- Santo- Juan Santoliva, and this is an interesting one. If you could pluck any MLS vet, we're going to ignore roster rules. We're going to not, but we're also going to keep some realism. If you could pluck an MLS vet out of another team and drop them onto the fire. Who would you pick? And we've got, we've got a couple thoughts on this one. I think in general, the areas we agree might bo- most be helped by more veteran presence would be a forward option and maybe a center back option to just kind of shore up the fire's depth in those positions. So the one I thought of was Andrew Farrell. That's the first guy who came to mind for me. Center back, New England Revolution. Yes, and I just think he's been really, really good for the Revolution, who are a team that are probably going to go into some sort of rebuild soon. They've been kind of having a weird season. Um, Adam Buxa out. Yep. Obviously, Tejan Buchanan is gone. Matt Josie Altador has not well. been able to be yep. the savior they were kind of hoping for. Matt Turner goes to Arsenal. Yeah, it, it is a moment of change out there in Foxborough. And I think Farrell would be a guy who could come in and be a steady pair of hands with Tehran being a guy who's been going up and down and up and down. So for me, that's my personal pick would be Andrew Farrell. And the other guy that we, uh, we were kind of brainstorming that we really like is... Um, a guy who now finds himself in a weird spot. That's Ola Kamara, who's kind of bounced around MLS for a few years now, left the league, came back. He was another player kind of in that Casper Shabilko. I mean, they're different players, but in terms of the profile of striker, the fire we're looking to sign in the offseason, you probably could have gotten him from D.C. for a similar Maybe, yeah. package to what they got Shabilko from Philly. And with, you know, Wayne Rooney is coming into that D.C. United team. We really don't know what to make of Ola Kamara at the moment. Um, so I think maybe that's a guy who you could maybe even realistically yep. try to acquire. And, you know, if you don't think Shabilko is going to be able to play starter quality minutes down the stretch, you need somebody else who can support Duran and just a veteran MLS proven goal scorer, a different one than the one you already tried, is it would not be a bad route to go. Yeah, I think that's a, definitely a really good shout, especially with Wayne Rooney coming in. He's going to want to rebuild that team to his own mold, bringing in already Ravel Morrison Which is a on a TAM deal. Bizarre, Weird. bizarre <laughs> signing. If you want to see, like, you know, people will joke sometimes about, like, 
like the list of clubs on Wikipedia or transfer marked. Man, if you want to see a weird career progression, just go through the clubs Raval Morrison <laughs> has played or rather signed for and then not played at all for cuz I mean, he's he's a guy who has dealt with some off the field issues and you know, it's you can't necessarily blame him for all the career struggles he's had. He, you know, maybe some of the stuff earlier in his career you can, but it's going to be interesting to see if Wayne Rooney can make that work. Again, DC United and Toronto are both these projects right now. It's like, well, Things can't get any worse, and you're doing a lot of things, and so we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, the fire, we've heard rumors that they want to be active this summer, but I don't know how active they can be, A, without the Gaga situation resolving itself first, and B, you'd have to free a DP spot if you really wanted roster flexibility, and the only DP who you could even think of moving is Gaston Jimenez, but then you'd have to find someone to pay you a transfer fee for Jimenez, which is its own separate conversation yeah. so in terms of the realism of the fire doing anything the really only open roster area they have right now is they do have a u22 initiative spot free they're, that they i could think they're going to be a little bit more calculated with that one maybe we'll have to wait till next season for that they are definitely looking at bringing in a replacement level center back there were some rumors about a guy from, I think it was Sweden or Denmark. It was some, it's, it was I don't some know about uh, him, Scandinavian so. league. We saw the initial report. Haven't seen anything following it up. Um, the thought is that's literally just a guy to fill the wide Obsberg and that's roster fair. spot. That's, that's fair. Just bring in another center back on the roster because right now, especially with Pineda exclusively being a midfielder, that's a really thin position. You really don't have much backup there. But And if you bring in a U22 player, well, now you've fully maxed out your roster spots. Mm-hmm. You've now, the, you would go from little flexibility to absolutely none at that point, and you would just have to find ways to find Gam and Tam and whatever to piece together to sign players from that point. So as long as they have some roster flexibility, there's an opportunity to make moves. We'll have to wait and see. MLS transfer window is open another couple of weeks. And again, keep your eye on the Gaga Slanina situation. We didn't talk about it today because there's nothing new to say. That's still kind of in limbo. Chelsea are in no rush to make it happen. The fire would like it to happen. Yeah, because keep in mind, guys, the MLS transfer deadline is August 5th. So if the fire want to loan him back in, the fire do want to get this deal done. Chelsea are in no rush because it's Why not would really they a priority, you know? I mean, they, focusing on getting center backs, first of all, to fill that void that was left by the departing center backs. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Stock, talks are still ongoing, but there's still been no formal offer yet. Yeah, Chelsea have bigger fish to fry in the meantime. A reminder again, the fire travel to Vancouver and BC Place this weekend. It has a 9 p.m. local kickoff time on Saturday night, and again, one week from Saturday, Fire versus Atlanta, Red Stars versus Wave, CHGO Soccer Podcast, Tailgate at Soldier Field. Be sure to come out and join us for that. We'd love to see as many of the listeners, those of you who support and make this show possible, out at that tailgate and enjoying, hopefully, a beautiful Chicago lakefront Saturday afternoon, and hopefully six points on the day. We will have one more show, though, of course, between now and then so join us next week we're hopefully we're talking about a third straight shutout and a third straight win pat mccraney will be back with me in studio for that one but for now alex calabrese thanks for coming back in thanks for uh not leaving us for a more prestigious uh, english soccer podcast i don't know if gaga's going <laughs> to chelsea so maybe you're going to go off and join like the athletic football podcast or something in a in a equivalent move due to your uh, potential and talents 
Thanks for spending a day of your summer vacation with us. I'm sure we'll see you again down the line this season as more fire teenagers continue to do cool things. Thank you for having me on again. But for now, I'm Alex Campbell. This has been another edition of the CHGO Fire Podcast, and we will see you next week.